Bodies by the Numbers is a horror podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to Bodies by the Numbers, a horror podcast. I'm Andrew Mack, and this is... Grace Lee. Today, we watch Scream <laughs> from 1996 by Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson. So, feelings check. How did you like this movie? I liked it. It was a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. You know, you, you hear, like, you know, classic horror movie like Scream, and I thought it'd be, you know, something like, you know, going on a jump scares, uh, which there were, but it was... There were, God, there were... Definitely a lot of funny, quotable uh, moments in the movie. I enjoyed that. Bam, bitch went down. Grace, let's kind of walk through this plot together. Where do we start? So we start with, I believe her name was Casey. Pretty much Casey picks up the telephone. You have creepy, you know, voice. Or I thought it was creepy. I think with all her smiling, she might have thought it was charming. But, you know, you know, the voice over the telephone... Pretty much just first just like nicely chatting with her, asking her what, you know, her favorite horror movie was, what she's doing. And then, of course, things turn creepy when he says, like, you know, that um, he was looking at her and and she was like, what the fuck? Eventually, um, her boyfriend shows up on the back deck. I don't believe it was the porch. I believe it was like the back deck, uh, I think next to the pool, I think. Yeah, it was their uh, patio. Yeah, yeah, Let's take notice how most famously we think of Jigsaw when we hear the line, do you want to play a game? But oh, yeah. here we got Ghostface saying it first. Oh, shit, really? Yes, he says it on the phone before yeah, they but start. Yeah, but it w- they w- this was said before Jigsaw? Yeah, because Saw oh didn't come an- out until about 2004, I believe. Oh, all right, yeah, no, then they did it first because they had the whole game of, I believe... Um, trivia. Yeah, they asked her, like, some movie trivia, like, who was the name of the killer from Halloween, stuff like that, and if she got shit wrong, um, her boyfriend would die. They asked her a trick question, killed her boyfriend, she starts freaking out. I mean, it's a very fair trick question because Mm. it's one that lets you know, like, oh, this person knows Jason Voorhees by the franchise and not by the movies. That is true. It irks me a little bit because Jason is in the first movie. Mm. He's just a dream sequence jump scare at the end. Yeah. So, yeah, they ask the Pamela Voorhees trick question of who the killer of Friday the 13th is, and poor, poor, poor boyfriend gets disemboweled. Yeah. Right on the back porch. Yep, and then, of course, they chase uh, Casey around the house a little bit. Um, she sees her parents pulling up in the car, but she starts getting stabbed. And then as they're, I think, I remember that was a pretty vivid scene of them walking into the front door and you can see her in the background running, trying to like stagger towards them. But then of course you have Ghostface right behind her, stabs her, but she's still on the telephone and her dying moment, some of her dying moments are her last like kind of like sobs as her mom's on the telephone inside trying to call the other phone. Yeah, no, that's not the best way to figure out your daughter's dad. Yeah, that's fucked. And then of course the mom goes outside because the dad asked, you know, go down to the neighbors, call the police, and she sees her daughter strung up um, on the tree outside. 
strung up, stabbed up, and disemboweled. Yep. Rough. And then the rest of the movie starts with Sydney. Sydney. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it starts with Sydney in her room and her. Honestly, her boyfriend was creepy the f- moment he came through the window, right? He comes to the window and, and, you know, and Sydney's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, I just watched The Exorcist, so I was thinking of you. <laughs> that is fucking creepy. Like, that is, that is, like, that is, like, shivers, right? You do not want to hear those words coming out of, like, your partner's mouth. Like, oh, oh no. Yeah, How romantic. Oh, God. And then he starts, then he starts comparing horror movies and ratings to sex. Yeah, that's... That, I did not find that charming. I thought that was pretty fucking creepy. Her dad um, heard her scream when he was first crawling into the movie or crawling in through the uh, the window there. Both statements work. This is a very meta movie. So yes, he's breaking in through the window. But this is also his first interaction we see him without... Um, a mask in the movie. But her dad tells that he's going on... You know, know. people have theorized about who killed who in accordance to how Ghostface wields the knife when he's killing people. Well, I thought... Well, I thought... um, Oh, God, I don't want to spoil it, like... Well, I mean, I'm sure they fucking watched the movie. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Later on in the movie, when they're all, like, in that... Near the fountain at high school, that... Oh, God, what was his name? Randy. Randy was, like... uh, Randy asked... Killer number two, what was his name? Stu. Asked Stu if he had an alibi, and his alibi was fucking his girlfriend. So I so I, I really thought that it was Billy who killed Casey because of because of that alibi. I, I think I gotta figure out who it was, but a lot of theories I believe said it was Stu and not Billy. Really? Because Billy was building his alibi to be with Sydney. And a lot of the kills that are theorized done by Stu, Ghostface puts his hand on top of the hilt of the knife when he goes to plunge it down. Really? And that's one of his giveaways, while Billy is a bit more... Like, stabbing. Calculated stabbing. Actually, you know, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Anyway, so pretty much... Oh, God, Billy and Sid are doing some fun stuff on the bed. She eventually kicks him out. And, God, one of those movies, uh, God, one of those funny lines is where um, she goes, well, you want to keep our relationship PG-13? And then she flashes them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, right? <laughs> and then pretty much, you know, I believe the next day kind of just scrolls on where they go into their uh, local school and Sydney meets up with her friend. God, her friend's name. Oh, uh, Tatum, Tatum. Tatum. Where Sydney meets up with Tatum and they're walking towards the school and of course you see all the news reporters and shit like that and Sydney learns Casey's dead. And like it's very confusing for the characters when they first enter because it's just an day at school. Yep. Who the fuck watches the news when you're in high school? So Oh, of no, course here we get in both Deputy Dewey and Gail Weathers. God, I fucking love I mean, fuck the cops, but I, I kinda like Dewey, I gotta admit. He's so fucking stupid. Just, God, the ice cream. Oh, God. Yeah, I kind of like Dewey, you know? Well, I I believe Dewey was specifically done because a lot of cops in horror movies Mm -hmm. are jokes. Mm -hmm. So this is a very in-on-it joke cop. And if you notice, every other cop in this movie is very competent. Oh, yeah, no, like the police chief, everybody else, like they're all doing their job, they're doing them well. 
Except for fucking... Uh, Dewey. Except for fucking Dewey, who has the Dunkin' Donuts on his desk and, pl like, plastic toy handcuffs as well. He's made fun of his sister the entire time. I'm sure he's kind of like the you know, butt of the joke at the office, whatever, you know? Just, how did the fuck did he... <laughs> well, actually, never mind. Uh, but, yeah, but I'm sure a lot of people were like, how the fuck did he get hired? So we go through, we get a lot of, like, Sydney does get chased by Ghostface after the day of school gets done. There's a bunch of interrogations of the students. Oh, yeah, no, every student is called up. Also, we get a real creepy interaction again with the principal when he um, grabs her chin and turns it. Like, I think um, the principal was another one of the ones of, well, maybe this was the killer, right? Like, you know, he's creepy. He gets really aggressive with some of his students later on who were... Um, well, as, as Randy said, everyone's a suspect later in true. the movie. Yeah. Uh, so the principal was one of those introductions of one of the suspects. Because he was acting a little creepy, and then he was... When uh, he catches um, some of the kids running around with ghost face masks later on, he like he like you know is shown kind of wielding the scissors and cutting the masks up and acting pretty, you know, pretty pretty sus. I still like that moment where he's like going boo ah with the ghost oh, face mask. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. It, it's just showing that like yes he's an adult but he's just as stupid and childish as the rest of oh, them. Oh god, yeah. And it ultimately gets him killed. It does, yeah, because we. We see Ghostface in the bathroom later on when Sydney, you know, sees, like, the kids running around with Ghostface masks when she enters the school. She's like, what the fuck, you know, so... But, yeah, no, so we get our second stabbing of the movie with the principal. Yeah, I think that does happen later on because if... Well, this all kind of happens throughout yeah. the same kind of arc of, like, figuring out, like, Sydney's mom. She got around town in the best way possible. Yeah. Uh, um, Billy's trying to get his alibis as well as everyone else. So we're yeah. getting a lot of exposition of backstory during yeah. this part. Yeah, pretty much. Because what happens is that Tatum and Sydney, that kind of ghost face scene where, like, they're running around school and then I believe I think she actually after that scene where she goes home and she, the ghost face calls her phone and the thing that happens is that um, at first she thinks it is Randy she thinks Randy's calling her house and she's acting pretty confident and then the ghost face asks her you know that or tells her that that he wants to play a game with her that he's on like her front porch she goes outside to investigate and then jump scare turns out he was inside also, I like how she picks her nose to go, and go yeah. oh, what am I Literally. doing, yeah. you dumb bitch. Um, Which, and, and by that time, Ghostface has moved inside, because he was on her front porch, and then she moves into the corner looking around. He comes inside, so he couldn't see what she was doing at that moment in time, because by that point in time, he has moved inside and he has entered the closet. I, I think he came in through a different doorway really? than the front door, mostly because I think he was in the closet the whole time. Really? I personally do because, I mean, Billy proved in his entrance scene how easy it is to break into that house. That is true, yeah. He could have entered through that window and come back all the way down and hidden in the closet. Like, just as much as it was an alibi, it could have been him casing the place as well. Yeah. Does she lock her upstairs window? She did not. Yep. And it's not the first or last time he'll break through a window to get to her. Yeah. The killer calls, the killer tries to obviously kill her, um, and she manages to escape. 
I really like the slapstick comedy. Oh of yeah, no, face just getting... slamming, slamming doors like into his face. But it really shows that the killers were kids all along too, right? They get too eager, they move too fast, they're swinging too wide. These are not trained, like you know, or experienced killers. Despite the fact that spoilers. They, they killed her mom. But then, of course, two, like, you know, two people taking out one person is a lot easier than one-on-one, especially when that victim has the home field advantage in their own house. Yes. But anyway, so um, she manages to call the police through her computer, actually, which was odd because, you know, this is an older movie. But anyway, so she manages to call the police. The, the killer chases her upstairs, which was great because just like a few seconds earlier, she was making fun of, you people know, running people, upstairs people running upstairs and stepping out the front door. But she relocked her door so it got caught on the oh, chain, yeah. which, which we is saw. why. Yeah, and then we also see is that when she runs upstairs and she locks the door, she, we also saw earlier when her dad tried to enter her room that she can use her closet door to barricade the door. So we see her do that. We see her type onto her computer, 911, what's your emergency? And she's getting, trying to enter, in, trying to enter something in. Um, but eventually um, the police arrive. And of course the killer is scared away. But then we see Billy enter her window. And of course... Phone call, phone falls out of his pocket. I do truly believe that it was Billy in oh, this yeah. scene. He, I, I don't well, think there was any way for a Stu to have been there. Oh, no. And also because it's extremely, again, spoiler, later on we realize it is extremely personal for Billy. And that probably um, it was Billy's idea all along to start these murders. So I don't think he would have let Stu kill Sydney. That... It was extremely personal for Billy, so Billy had to be the one to kill Sydney. So he comes to her door. Of course, Sydney freaks out. The police arrive. She starts pointing fingers at Billy. And then uh, Sydney is escorted downstairs and into a hospital. Not a hospital, my dear. Police station. The police station. But first we saw saw her sitting, um, God, in one of those EMT cars. And Tatum drives up. And then we, I think this is the first time we learned that Stewie and Tatum are siblings. Um, Dewey. Dewey, God, fuck. Okay, Stewie, Dewey. (laughs) Um, I'm going to keep messing up Stu and Dewey. For the entire rest of this episode. How dare you do my man Matthew Lillard like that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just their names are too similar to me. Um, anyway, Tatum comes in. Then they're escorted to the police headquarters. And I cannot remember who says it, but I think there is someone in the background who does mention that um, this would be like the first time that Sydney had falsely accused a man. Because then we learn about, um, we start to get sprinkles well, of... Well, uh, Gail Weathers, that's her whole angle oh, yeah. this whole time. She is doing an expose on Sydney and Maureen Prescott mm-hmm. to free a convict, Cotton Weary, who was framed by the ghost face killer as we figure out through this movie. Yeah. So these killers are not only good at framing and have gotten away with it before. Yeah. Gail Weathers already kind of feels like Sydney is an unreliable narrator in her own story. Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, because it's her mom. So of course she doesn't want to believe that her mom has been sleeping with other people, you know? But anyway, so she's escorted to the police station where Billy is, of course, interviewed and Billy manages to play it pretty calm and cool and then eventually Dewey not Stewie Dewey (laughs) um, 
uh, tries to escort his sister and Sydney out the back door. And then, of course, uh, that's when Sydney fucking decks Gale. Because honestly, like, Gale was right. Sydney did accuse a falsely convicted man. But also, man, Gale was a bitch in that scene. Such a fucking bitch. And so she comes up, and of course, fucking Sydney decks her. Which really, I feel like is. Earned. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, Gail fucking earned that punch. So eventually they go back to Tatum's house, and and I. So at that house, you know, we see, you know, them trying to get comfortable, and then uh, Tatum's mom comes up and says that there's someone on the phone for her, and so she goes downstairs, and of course she answers it, and it's Ghostface, right? And again, spoilers, later on in the movie, Sydney says, was that I, I'm I'm a little unsure. Was that I think that was Stu personally. Yeah. Mostly because as much as Billy gaslights her throughout a lot of this movie, oh, constantly. how would he have gotten the voice changer through the police station? Exactly. So he probably had a plan to get caught at Sydney's house and so Stu is saying to Sydney, I guess you fingered the wrong guy again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if Billy meant to get caught, but this was definitely a really good backup plan. I definitely do think the plan was to get caught. So he had an alibi. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not the killer. The killer is still out and threatening Sydney. Okay, yeah, no, you're right. Anyway, so after that whole event, um, then they go to school the next day, where I think it's in. Actually, I feel like we might have messed up a little bit because when when Sydney and Tatum get to high school, that's when we see the Ghostface killers running through the halls. That's when Sydney, after seeing that, goes to the bathroom, has kind of the kind of shitty rumors about her mom revealed through these kind of like gossiping like high school girls where they're talking about how well maybe Sydney did it because she just you know she found out about um, how she framed an innocent man and how her mom was a core and then eventually once those girls leave though we see i think yeah i think we do see legitimately either Stu or billy kind of i don't think it was billy that time because billy already confronted her in the hall yeah yeah just as she was going to the bathroom so it was probably Stu had the the voice changers kind of whispering to sydney and then sydney fucking books it out i wasn't sure if you heard him whispering her name in the bathroom yeah real fucking creeper uh but anyway so uh, she books it outside, and then after that, I think I think that's when she's invited to the party. Yeah, yeah. after all that, she's invited to the party. Because Stu's like, come on, let's blow off some steam. You're getting us out of school. This is so cool yeah. and fun. Yeah. And so that whole thing happens. And then, right after that, while we uh, cut to fucking Randy at the video store, right? Randy's just skating around. And then where we see Stu interact with Randy and Randy's talking about how that they haven't found Sydney's dad. That Sydney's dad hadn't been answering his phone or the hotel. The hotel said that he hadn't checked in. So he was now a major suspect. And he's even implying that Sydney's dad is the red herring. And he's looking at Billy going... Come on, that's the killer, Stu. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, because like, cause we see kind of Billy in the background, and Randy's just like, okay, well, going by movie plot points, he's still the killer. A little while later, um, Billy confronts Randy about this, and he acts 
so much like a fucking serial killer. But Jesus, you know, since we have kind of revealed who both of the killers are, imagine how terrifying that memory is gonna sit. He was being held by one killer while being caressed by the other. Yeah, that's yeah, it's 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 ooh. Like one of them's right behind him on his shoulder, almost like salivating yeah. on him whispering into his ear while the other one's kind of slowly reaching, touching yeah. the face. God. Like, these killers are just... They have no boundary. They really don't. And, like, later, you know, as Billy leaves, Randy points at Billy and turns to Stu and is like, how is that not killer motivation? And the while I was thinking, I was like, well... Stu was acting pretty creepy as well, but then again, later on, it's kind of revealed that Billy is definitely the the mind behind all of this. Um, so maybe he just wasn't picking up on, you know, the kind of follower aspect that Stu had. But then after all that, we get to the party! Woo! Woo! Where a fucking cop hands underage kids alcohol, which is great. <laughs> God, I almost forgot my favorite, one of my favorite fucking lines of this movie was, not my favorite actually, I should just say one of the most memorable, is that when, you know, Dewey's dropping off Sid and Tatum, his sister, at high school, like, you know, earlier that day, Gail um, kind of sidles up and tries to seduce Dewey, you know, so that he'll that so that she'll get more information. And one of her lines is, you don't look a day over twelve. God. That's you know, uh, the stuff we could say back God, when you uh, and I were barely infants. God, God yeah, because she's like, yeah, like most of my um, viewer base is like twenty-four and younger. Eleven to twenty-four. Eleven I was oh, the age gap. Yeah, eleven to twenty-four. And Dewey says he's 25, and then he says, well, I was twenty-four for a whole year, so, God. Anyway, so, sorry, <laughs> moving back to <laughs> Dewey dropping off Sid and Tatum at a party with alcohol, and then going to chill um, in his kind of, like, police car for a little bit. I think as much as Dewey wants to be a good cop, he also is trying to play the role of being a good brother. Yeah. And, like, yes... These are underage kids drinking alcohol, but that's his little sister that's right his here, sister. and she will never let him live it down. Oh hell, fucking no! And honestly, throughout the movie, like throughout most of the movie, he is honestly a decent brother to her. Like, uh, you know, he always backs her up despite all the shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit she throws at him. But anyway, so um, they get to the party. The party kind of, like, you know, commences. Randy arrives. He brings with him his, like, you know, horror movies and shit. And then Tatum goes off to get, is sent off to go get more beer. And that is where uh, she is, I feel like she's definitely killed by um, Stu. Yes. Um, I think it's Billy. Really? This one's Billy. Because Stu is hosting the party. He is in the living room while this is all happening, wearing this nice red robe. And when Billy does come at the front door later, you'll notice he comes rushed. He looks like he's hyperventilating. And they look at each other, and Billy just nods. And I think it's more than just like a, thanks for not telling Sydney I came here. I think that was like, Tatum's taken care of. Okay. Yeah. You're probably right. 
but oh, working to my opinion is the most memorable kill of the movie is that we see Tatum being crushed by a garage door, but we've also completely almost bypassed, I'm so sorry, we gotta backtrack a little bit, is it earlier, <laughs> like while I, th I think Billy and Stu are at the video store, I think right after, right before, that's when they kill the principal, right? They kill the principal during this day, and, and I'm then, not sure which one of the two did it, honestly. No. That's one where it's kind of a big question mark, and I kind of want to say that one's Billy as well. I think Billy does this kill and the Tatum kill, and I yeah. think the other two kills belong comfortably to Stu. Wait, wait, what about Casey? Didn't you say um, Billy also killed Casey? No, I think it was Stu because really? of the knife. Oh, okay. I think it was Stu for the knife. Yeah. I think he disemboweled as well. Okay. Or either they were both there and one killed one and one killed the other. That is true, yeah. Actually, yeah, no, that would have made more sense too if they were both there because in that first scene when we see we see Casey check the back porch and there is no one there. And like her boyfriend, Steve is a pretty hefty guy in that chair. You would have heard some sort of scraping or like, you know, unless you had two, exactly, unless you had two people to lift that chair up and swiftly I, move I it. I just want to see that B footage of the two ghost face killers just like shuffling Shuffling, Steve. right, shuffling Steve across the bat. Yeah, so honestly. <laughs> Yeah, so I think they both had a hand in that, but um, anyway, back to... The garage. Back to garage and Tatum, because, God, because when Tatum turns around with, like, her hands full of beer and she sees Ghostface, she, of course, thinks it's a joke, right? Because we've seen before... This costume. This costume and kids running around with it and making, like, jokes in the costume. So, of course, you know, she... We you know, have probably what I think is the funniest kill as well, uh, because... She's going one place psycho killer, and you just got so Ghostface nodding. nodding. Yeah. And it just like she doesn't know she's in a game of cat and mouse. She doesn't. But know. the cat knows it's in a game of cat and mouse. Oh yeah. God. Also, when fucking Ghostface just get hit, gets hit in the dick with the big bottle, <laughs> <laughs> and you just see him kind of hunch over. Like, she got a couple of hits she in She got two headshots she, in a row. She got the penis, then the face. <laughs> exactly. She got a few hits in before she goes. And then you see her just fucking sprint towards the door. But I don't understand why she went for the I door. I know. I don't either. I guess panic. And also just, honestly, the fact that, like, she manages to squeeze her upper half, but her butt's too big to fit through the end. <laughs> just, and then of course Ghostface is kind of just staring at her while she kind of like wiggles like a worm and then just presses the garage door and you can see he didn't of course he wasn't really planning this out right he had the knife he had scratched her like you know her forearm he was ready to stab her and then he just presses the garage door you see the garage go up and then you just hear the crunk and the click and like the um the fucking garage door like rattling a little bit and it he looks surprised that that worked. Yeah, and like, even though she definitely got crushed by the garage door, this is the weirdest way to get crushed. Oh, Like, yeah. you're not being crushed by it closing. No. You're being crushed by it opening. Yeah, I think it wasn't even really her being crushed. It was that the way her body was twisted is that there was that, like, um, that part of that garage door that was just lower just fucking broke her neck, I think. Yeah, and for simplification purposes, her neck broke. Yeah. But I'm putting this down as crushed by a garage door. Oh, yeah, door. yeah, go for it. But anyway, so after that's done, 
I guess as you said, if that was Billy, he disrobes and comes to the front door to be led into the party. And we get a very meta, like, there are certain rules to a horror movie. Yeah. And this kind of plays out after Billy comes into the house, I believe. Because Randy was upset that, because he had the hots for... He was going to bang Sydney if he could. Yeah, he was going to bang Sydney if we could, but then Billy comes in, um, and then Sydney escorts him upstairs, and Randy's, like, pissed, and then Stu's laughing at him because he's like, like, you had a hell of a fucking chance. And then, and then Randy kind of goes off and then has, like, you know, starts the horror movie stuff on. So while... <laughs> They're watching Halloween. They're watching Halloween. So while Billy and Sydney are getting it on upstairs, we have Randy kind of escorting these teenagers about how it isn't good to do these classic sins in a horror movie. Like um, have sex, drink alcohol, do drugs. Those are all things that will get you killed. While, you know, Sydney's about to go pound town upstairs. Exactly. Everyone's drinking and Stu will be right back. Yeah. And... There's also a sex scene in Halloween between Linda and her boyfriend. Yeah. You don't know this because you haven't watched the movie yet. No. I understand that. But as Randy's going like, ah, here comes the obligatory tit shot, Sydney disrobes her top. Yeah, and exactly. Like, it's a very well thought out sequence of things that's going on in a very short amount of time. Oh, yeah. No, it is being hella fucking just scratching through the fourth wall right there. Yeah. Uh, we also see Stu go get more beer. So that I feel like that really alerts the viewers. Because while Billy and Stu are being very creepy, they're only one of the hypothetical kind of killers. I feel like this point in time when we see Stu go off to get more beer, he would have had to notice Tatum. So I feel like that's like one of the cruels that he is definitely. I feel like, you know, if you're just watching the movie for the first time and it's, you know... Were you thinking about that, though? Were you thinking, like, about who the second killer was? Because I know you were on no. Billy's ass the whole time. Oh, yeah, no. So I thought, I I really, I thought it was Billy the whole time. He was acting so fucking good. The When he first sneaks into Sydney's room and compares her to the movie The Exorcist, <laughs> I'm like, that's the fucking killer. I don't give a shit who else. But then there's that moment where when Stu is going to get beer, where it's like, wait, Tatum's dead and is in the garage. Is it actually Stu? And then when it's found out that the principal has been killed and gutted at school and all the kids, all, everybody's running out. And uh, we got our final cast here. Yeah. And then Dewey escorts Gail to go find like this creepy, like or abandoned It car. was reported that Sydney's dad his car was found in the nearby area. So yeah. they were actually searching for him. Yeah. Then there's a, apparently like a car that's parked out somewhere along the road. So of course, Dewey being the good police officer that he is, escorts Gail for some fucking reason out to go look at the car. And then that does, yeah, you do have that kind of final like tight-knit cast left in the house after the deed is done and Cindy starts to get in because she, I don't think she's ever even... She doesn't get a break in this movie. No. So when she see, she's looking at the phone, she thinks, was that one call you made the one where, you know, you called me? Do you use your, your one phone call to call me in the ghost face voice? And we already discussed why we don't think that was possible because of the voice changer. But then, of course, that's when Ghostface pops in and starts stabbing the shit out of Billy. Uh, out of Billy, and then of course fucking Sydney makes a break for it, starts running like. And 
since this is Stu's house and this is obviously Stu at this point, mm -hmm. you can watch Ghostface cut off Sydney at almost every turn. Because mm -hmm. guess what? Ghostface knows the layout of this house, unlike Sydney's house. Exactly. She goes upstairs because that is the only route available to her. So she goes out, she manages to go through one of the attic windows and then fall onto the boat, boat. below where she sees Tatum. What I find interesting is you thought she'd look up to see Tatum, but she looks up to see if Ghostface is still in the window and then looks down, down. to find Tatum. Yep, dead. And at this time, Sydney's still panicking. There's a joke where the actor Jamie is yelling at Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween yeah. to turn around because the killer's right behind yeah. her yeah. while Jamie Kennedy has the killer behind his character Randy. Yeah. So that's another really funny just like, uh, ah, there's the meta jokes. Exactly. And that also again cements that, oh shit, it was still all along because if you had maybe had a suspicion against Randy, because honestly... You know, like such a um, horror fanatic as he was, you could totally buy into him trying to make a game out of, you know, killing people, especially if it was all horror themed. But then you see Ghostface behind him, so I feel like that cements the idea, at least for me, that, oh shit, it had to have been still. But then, of course, switching, we go to Sydney's point of view, where she is running, booking it towards the film van, the, um, the, the, like the news crew van, where she knocks on the door and then she meets Kenny, um, who is the guy holding like, who was following Gail around and has like the, you know, who had the, who was like the cameraman. Earlier when, uh, Dewey was dropping off Sydney, um, he also had, you know, interacted with Gail and had also escorted her into the party as well. And she had managed to slip like a hidden camera in. So we, as... It's stated around at that time that the camera has approximately a 30-second delay. Exactly. And this will come into play when we get to the next kill. Exactly, where we first see Kenny and Cindy watching Ghostface <laughs> creep up behind Randy. Randy. And then, of course, Kenny, the heroic man he is, goes to open the door to go and try and save Randy. And then you see it, it click in his head, like, the delay. And he sees that open door to the house, and he's like, shit. He turns around, Ghostface is already there, and slits his throat. Poor Kenny. He was the best Poor of the Kenny. best. Poor Kenny, he was. He was just a, just a good old dude. He's his like, dying action was to point at the yeah. back of the van, like, run. Yeah, like, point out, like, that kind of, like, secret exit of the van to Sydney. Like, he was such... Good man. Good man, you know? He even wanted to get out of the van to go and rescue Randy, you know? Good dude. But Cindy manages to crawl through and escape, and then that's, I think, when we cut to... The police car, yeah. where Ghostface starts playing a bit more cat and mouse with yeah, Sydney. Look, I got the keys. I'm going to start unlocking the doors on either side. Mm -hmm. She actually gets a police call in through the radio she before he gets a hold of her, too. Yeah, yeah, because the police radio comes on and is like, hey, Officer Dewey, and then she answers and she starts just being like, shit, this is where I am, this is what's happening. And then we know... She um, gets chased back inside, yeah. and around this time, Dewey and Gail finally arrive back Yep. after Ghostface has chased her inside as well, and they just 
see that everything's gone bad. They've already almost gotten run over by the high schoolers. Yeah, when they were going to investigate the car, and when they found the car, they duly realized that that was Sydney's dad's car, and that had been abandoned, so he thought that Sydney's dad had come back to kill her. So when they rush back, and then that's when we cut to them, Dewey sends Gail off to call the police from the news van, and Dewey himself enters the house to try and rescue Sydney. Gail instantly sees the blood at her feet, knows something's wrong. She goes to grab the phone. Yeah. Randy scares her, beats the shit out of him with the phone, yeah. and tries to drive off desperately. Yeah, just poor Randy, too. You know, he didn't deserve that. Sydney fucking pops out of nowhere like a fucking deer on the side of the road and starts waving at Gail like, stop. Gail does not stop. Gail, in fact, crashes the van. Crashes the fucking van. Uh, in her defense, her her assistant's dead body was on the roof that of that. That is true. She had to do, like, little donuts to get his, quote, tub of lard ass yeah. off. End quote. <laughs> And just, I, I can imagine the pure fight or flight of, oh no, I don't want to run someone over, crash, yeah. presumed dead. Yeah. Cindy, though, goes back towards the house because she sees the police car. She's like, shit, Dewey's in there somewhere. He has a gun, right? Yeah. So she goes back into the house, and that's where we see Dewey stagger out and fall forward with a knife in his back. And then we also see the killer take that knife out and try and kill her. I thought it was a that moment in time that uh, she makes a break for the police car and that whole shit cat and mouse happens. Probably. Both of us are kind of jumbled in. Yeah, this is, this is all fucking mess. But anyway, so pretty much cat and mouse happens, but Sidney does manage to run back to Dewey's body and grab the gun. Right? I yeah. believe so. Yes. And then, of course, as she's turning, we see Randy and we see Stu run up. Both are in just shirts and jeans, and so both are trying to... Um, Convince her. Yeah, so you have Stu being like, shit, it wasn't me, it was uh, Randy. give me the gun. And then you have Randy being like, no, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't. Um, and and from that point, I was like, oh, shit, yeah, it's definitely Stu. Cindy tells them both to fuck off and closes <laughs> and locks the door. And that's where we see Billy, somehow alive, stumble down. And that that moment, what I saw when he stumbled down, and I, it might have been like a props mishap, but when I see him lying kind of at the bottom of the stairs, and I, I see... I think it was very intentional that there were no stab there wounds. There were no stab wounds. There was none of the shirt was ripped, and that's when it clicked for me. Ooh... He's being mighty creepy again, and he manages to convince her to give him the gun. He opens the door, and then um, Randy kind of, like, falls in, kind of into the door, like, oh, shit, oh, shit, let me in. Randy's let in. I am, um, and then is like, oh, shit, Stu's gone crazy, and that's when Billy goes full creepazoid and fucking shoots Randy, and then starts licking blood off of his fingers, except it's, it's not blood, syrup. it's corn syrup. Like they did in... What was the movie he referenced? He was referencing Stephen King's adaptation of his book, Carrie. Yeah. And so then that's when it's like, oh, yeah, he's... But then we think, well, what about Stu? Then Stu comes around the corner, and they both... And both Billy and Stu corner her in the kitchen. With the voice box, Stu has the knife in the kitchen. Yeah. Even before he shoots Randy, Billy, he quotes Anthony Perkins in Psycho, yeah. which is kind of the movie that 
boosted the entire slasher genre. Yeah. And even further, people argue that's like one of the older horror movies out there. Yeah. So it, it makes sense that these two freaks are quoting, you oh. know, these movies, making these references the whole time. Yeah. And we can clearly see it wasn't only Randy obsessed. These two guys were also definitely obsessed with these movies, or at least Billy was most definitely. But anyway, so they corner her in the kitchen and they reveal that, of course, they were both the killers. And then it's also revealed that they killed her mom, not the uh, man sitting in jail on death row, but they killed her mom. And then they also, uh, Billy also reveals the fact that her mom had slept with his dad and that that's why Billy's mom left. And so this is Billy's motivation to kill Sydney. For clarification on behalf of Cotton Weary and the story, this movie does leave it a little confusing at first because Maureen Prescott was reported as raped and killed. Mm -hmm. uh, Cotton Weary and Maureen Prescott had an adulterous affair. It was consensual for the two adults. Yeah. And the kids, specifically Billy, I believe, killed Maureen. Yeah. So, yes, Cotton Weary's DNA was in Maureen Prescott while her body was found. Yeah. But it was not a rape and kill. It, it was, was just adultery than murder. Exactly. So, Billy really um, reveals the fact that both he and Stewie... Not Stewie. Oh, God. <laughs> Stu! Stu! Both he and Stu killed her mom. And the reason why they didn't know that was because... Billy. She was no Sharon Stone. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, your mom's the reason why my mom left, so now I killed your mom, and then I went on a murder spree, and then I'm gonna kill you. Stu comes out with his fucking wacko, he's like, he's like, wait, there's more! And he goes back to the closet and brings out Sydney's dad, and they explain the whole plot about how they're gonna get away with this. Like, you know, the, the monologuing villains kind of aspect, where they're like, ha ha ha! Your dad, we are leaving the voice changer and the cell phone on him. He will totally, we're going to kill you. We're going to have him shoot himself in the head. And and then we'll be, you know, just the survivors of this incident. She gets more weird if that's possible because then they're like, well, we have to make this realistic. So Stu's like, come on, stab me. So Billy stabs Stu and then hands it off. And then Stu stabs Billy and then Billy's fucking clutching his guts. Like, yeah, I think you stabbed too deep. And then, so once Billy comes back around, he starts just stabbing Stu again and again. I think out of anger of just that I, first stabbing. I kind of have my own feelings that Billy planned on killing Stu, too. Yeah. Because um, Stu was kind of a loose cannon through all of this. Oh, he look, he acts like once, like, even before, he was, he acted unhinged. I have a feeling that Billy had a plan to be the only survivor. Yeah, he was only keeping Stu around long enough to make that alibi airtight. Yeah. And so, but as they're stabbing each other, fucking Gail comes through the door with a gun and is like, fuck you guys, I've heard your whole story, I'm killing both of you, and uh, this is how this story's gonna play out. Sydney's but, like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, Gail, you get him. But it turns out Gail has the safety on. And so, honestly, 
but a very weak move. Billy manages to just kind of like push her down the front steps. Knock she kind of like kind of conks out after hitting like a beam of some sort, and she kind of just lays on Dewey. And then we see Billy undoing the safety, cocking the gun, and he's just about to shoot her, right? When Stu realizes Sydney's missing. Sydney's missing. And then as Billy starts to fucking freak out, Stu is bleeding out by this point in time. He starts complaining about how woozy he is. He's like, you think you stabbed me too deep? And the phone starts to ring. (laughs) And then fucking Sydney, badass as she is, is calling the phone. They pick up and Sydney's like, ha ha, you motherfuckers. I have called the police. They're on their way. I hope you both die in a fucking fire. Not that isn't a direct quote, by the way. <laughs> but I feel like that's just the, She you know. turns the tables on them. She has their voice recorded now. Mm-hmm. She's letting them know she, she called I, the cops. I think she even has the phone because I feel like she probably, the because we even see that her father was moved back into the closet. So I think Cindy grabs her dad, moves into the closet to keep him safe, and then she grabs that, her dad's cell phone and his voice recorder so that she can call the police on that cell phone and then also have that voice recorder. Yeah, and I feel like this is one of those funny moments because here's poor Stu bleeding out bleeding on the out. table and, while and Billy's having a temper tantrum. Billy is having a small breakdown. He's throwing... You see him walk into another room and just start shoving tables and chairs, breaking shit. And... You hear Sydney over the phone start asking Stu, like, okay, so I get Billy's backstory. Why are you doing this? Peer pressure. Peer pressure. I'm a sensitive guy. And then, then fuck, then Stu goes on uh, once she's like, well, I mean, the police are coming. Stu then goes, God, my mom and dad are going to be so angry with me. And <laughs> like, But I also feel like that really cements the fact that this was all Billy's plan. And then while Stu was definitely a willing participant, he was definitely more the follower the kind of muscle man he was not the brains of this operation he did not probably come up with this so the start. Billy starts searching the house like a madman yep fucking again Sydney just pops out of the closet and stabs Billy with an with, umbrella with an umbrella in the ghost face costume in the ghost face like she changes just to fuck with Billy honestly though yeah, that's kind of deserved. So she stabs Billy, I think twice, with yes. the umbrella. He falls over. She takes off the ghost face mask, starts wandering, and then we see that Randy's alive! Yeah. Um, And he c- rushes over to her, and he's like, thank God not I'm... A- oh, really? Not yet? Because after she t- uh, stabs Billy, mm-hmm. Stu charges her and oh. takes the fight to the living room. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, takes the fight to the living room where she then slams a TV on his head, right? Slams a TV on his head. Then that's when Randy wakes up. They go back into yep. the hallway. Yep. Randy's kind of like, Thank and, God I'm a virgin. Uh, you know, thank God I'm a virgin. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I managed to survive. Because when, when he was giving that whole, like, one, two, three of, like, you know, horror films, one of the things he said was that you got to be a virgin to survive. So Billy gets back up to attack them. Gale shoots Billy once. Yeah, I think in the goes, shoulder. Yes. He and, goes back down. And then Randy, Sydney, and Gale kind of crowd around Billy's body. Sydney takes the gun from Gale. Yeah, and then Randy peeks over it like their shoulders and is like this is the moment when you know the killer would come back for one last jump scare we do see Billy move and then Sydney headshot 
pops him in the head. Of course, we cut from that scene, I believe, to the police arriving, them all being put into, you know... Their respective ambulances. Exactly. Gail's starting to report. Dewey's being taken away. I believe Sydney's being taken away as well. Yeah. So we end with Gail reporting about... Her new hit story that's definitely gonna sell some books. Oh, heck yeah. She even says, like, a victim reporting from the scene. I think the quote me, we made... Uh, Eyewitness. Yeah, eyewitness. But one thing we joked about is that, shit, they can't, like, kick her off the property if she was an eyewitness (laughs) to the event. Not easily, at least. No, no. And so I think that's the, the ending to the movie right there. Correct. How did you like the sound design and soundtrack of this film? It was okay. I don't. There just weren't any mo- like parts that really kind of like struck me. I do remember one of the times that Cindy and Tatum were walking into high school. There was this weird bit of audio that did kind of just seemed out of place to me. But overall, nothing struck me as wow. That was. Oh, great. you're talking about the choral orchestra. Exactly. Though. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's more just Wes Craven being very grand about his setting. Yeah. Uh, he he likes to do that sometimes, but I actually really enjoy the soundtrack for the majority of it yeah. because I feel like it not only plays jokes by even stealing some of John Carpenter's Halloween yeah. soundtrack. Oh yeah, you pointed that out. Um, it, it's just very well thought out. In the cold open with Casey Becker, we get kind of the right somber tones when she's dying over the phone. Oh, yeah. We get a lot of the right sound design to invoke the correct emotion for most of it. Like you said, that one jarring moment of having a choir singing is the only thing that really doesn't stand together, I guess. Exactly. Like, because, like, for most of the film, you kind of have, I guess, classical, like, creepy music. You know, stuff to kind of put you on edge, things to haul back to other, like, horror films, and then you have that one instrument of, whoa, okay, what's going on? <laughs> Where's the choir at? Is yeah. They, are they on set right now? Yeah, we're looking around like, wow, I never thought I'd hear choir music at like, high school. The gore and implied gore. As someone who's a bit more adverse to this... <laughs> Was it too much? Was it just right for you? I personally think for 1996, they were showing a lot. There was, I feel like there was a lot of blood, but even when they were describing like the disembowelment, their language was almost more gory than what I actually saw. Cause like we of course saw, we saw clothes ripped and we saw a lot of blood, but I didn't see any guts. There were guts. Really? You I didn't see Casey some... Becker's guts hanging out from her. Oh, That's I... what all the extra little ropage was under her. Oh, I thought that was rope. No, that was her guts. Oh. And even her boyfriend's guts were on the outside. I did not notice any of that. So those are things I'll point out to you in yeah. a different well, video. Yeah, I think the thing is, is it it was shaded. You know, it was like darker moments, and so. Yeah. That That's one issue with horror as a genre, because a lot of it is playing with the dark. Yeah. So I, I feel like some of the best gore mm-hmm. you see is hidden by, like you said, shading. Yeah. Very good at lying to myself. So if I didn't want to see it, it didn't exist. <laughs> oh, damn. I guess you got me there. <laughs> right? 
So the current most common way to die because it's our first movie is just a good old stabbing. Stabbing. With a knife specifically. Yeah. We got three one-off kills, but the one that stands out to Grace is the garage door. Yeah, I'm going to remember that forever. And for me, it's the TV because you can't simply just throw a TV on someone's head like that And anymore. that is like a... that, And that's not even like a flat screen either. That is like a heavy box set. bulky box set like an early like 90s television that she just fucking... Because you can even see her strain when she's pushing it. Like, yeah, so there was like a lot of body and effort to move that fucking block of plastic. Yeah, plastic. And Stu is never mentioned in any of the sequels other than like, oh yeah, that other ghost face killer. A lot of people in the sequels refer to Billy more than Stu. And I can see why. And even like what I thought was maybe like a little on the nose was that Billy had such clear motivation and they both clearly liked horror movies. But I feel like Stu is kind of living almost in this... A false reality where he was just, you know, where he was clearly, clearly, you know, Billy's true friend and that they were in this together and Billy totally wasn't going to kill him later on. And that you see, so of course, of course Stu died by TV, right? Especially that TV that had been playing horror movies just minutes well, earlier. As much as I feel like that line of peer pressure was a joke on the script, yeah. I feel like it was also the truth for Stu. Oh, yeah. Again, like, he definitely was already a little unhinged. Or, not a little. He was unhinged. <laughs> but, that honestly, if Billy hadn't been involved, he would have never... He would have been creepy, and he would have probably been a little too, you know, freely entering people's personal bubbles and spaces. But I don't think he would have killed anyone. I think it, it Billy was really the kind of motivator to actually, like, killing people. He ignited that spark. Definitely. You know, there are four sequels to this now. There Jesus were originally Christ. just three sequels, all directed by Wes Craven. Nice! So this is one of the only franchises he didn't let go of until he died. Wow. The new directors, I feel like, have paid a good homage to them mm -hmm. in the fourth slash fifth movie. Yeah. Fourth sequel, fifth movie. But, <laughs> man, that movie hurt. Really? Yeah, I, I think they're making good choices, but so I don't spoil anything for you, all I'll say is that movie hurt. Ooh. All right, well, I mean, it's on the list. Yay. <laughs> so our next movie is going to be The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I don't like it when you say fun. I only think bad <laughs> things. I want you to know this. With the Texas Chainsaw Massacre by Toby Hooper, in yep. case you weren't familiar with the director. I was not. Everything is super implied. I Really? A lot of people swear to God they see blood in this movie, but it is a relatively bloodless movie. Really? You never see the penetration of weapon into skin, much like the original Psycho. Really? Yes. Well, I mean, for such a jokey movie that Scream is, they have a lot of... You see the knife enter people. You see people die on screen. And as you said, you even see the, like, the, the, the little squishy bits. That's how the little body. squishy bits. The little squishy bits. This was Bodies by the Numbers, a horror podcast, and we hope to see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Bodies by the Numbers, a horror podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Bodies by the Numbers Pod, Twitter at Bodies Numbers, and our email address is Bodies by the Numbers Pod at gmail.com. We hope to see you again next time.